0: Good morning, everybody. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm so excited to be in church with you today. I want to welcome everybody. I want to welcome all of our campuses watching. We're so glad that you tuned in. and We know God's got a powerful word for everybody, especially the dads. Happy Father's Day, dads. All right you got to milk this day for everything that it is worth. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like to kind of just just get everything I can out of Father's Day. So I wake up, I'm like, can I get a Father's Day coffee? Can I get some Father's Day breakfast? Can somebody take out the Father's Day garbage? Can can somebody mow the Father's Day lawn? Can I get a Father's Day massage? I mean, just just milk it for everything you got. I started yesterday milking it, by the way. I'm just carrying it over in today, but happy Father's Day to everybody. It's good to see you all. We're glad you're here. If you have Your Bible, would you take it out and hold it up nice and high? And if you need a Bible, raise your hands. The ushers will get them to you. Let me get mine out right here. Hold it up nice and high with me. Say this out loud. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so that I can be God has destined me to be, because I'm Batman. Batman got saved over the weekend, you didn't know that, yeah. Amen. If you would remain standing, obviously we are starting a new series this weekend called Superheroes and Sidekicks where we're going to look at some of the superheroes of the Bible and their sidekicks and it's going to be a great, great series. There's some fun things for the kids and kids ministries at all of our campuses and out in the lobby area. There's a place where you can go look like a superhero and put your face in the superhero body. And, uh, some of you will have the best body you've ever had in your entire life. Somebody said to me, do you want to take a picture in the superhero body cutout? I said, why? But it looked like a superhero. They laughed. They said, ah, whatever, pastor. I said, what you mean, whatever, pastor? You know, anyway, it's good to see everybody. Genesis chapter 22, if you remain standing as we go to the text from which my assignment comes today. Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture here. I need it all in order to minister what God has put on my heart. Beginning in verse 1, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off and Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a Knife and the two of them went together. But Abraham spoke, but Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering in the stead of Isaac his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men... And they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. I want to minister to you this Father's Day weekend on the subject, how to be a super dad. And I want to use Father Abraham in this text as the backdrop for this, and I know it's kind of an awkward text to teach you how to be a great dad, because here you have this dad offering up his son as a burnt sacrifice, but you're going to see that there's so much in this particular text that teaches us how to be super dads, and so let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you would you minister, would you speak to each and every heart? Would you help me to preach this word just like you gave it to me, we give you all the praise and honor in Jesus name and everybody said you may be seated we live in a time where superheroes are all the rage aren't they so many superheroes these days: Ant-Man, Aquaman, The Avengers, Batgirl, Batwoman, Bat, Batman, Black Panther, Captain America, uh, Catwoman, The Defenders, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four, Green Lantern, Guardians of the Galaxy, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Supergirl, Superman, The Wasp, Wolverine, Wonder Woman, X-Man, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Are they really superheroes anyway? So many superheroes out there, and this generation loves. Our superheroes. So much so that if you don't believe it, I'll give you one statistic. The Avengers movie that just came out made $1 billion in a record 11 days. 11 days, $1 billion. And you know why? It's because people go, don't have no problem going to the movies. It's $17 a ticket now. Isn't that amazing? It's like 17 bucks a ticket to go to the movies. And, and if you're like me, you like that car- caramel popcorn that they got now? at the local Lows, they just got caramel popcorn in it. And so I'm like, man, this is awesome. They got caramel popcorn at the movie. So I'm like, can I get some caramel popcorn and a Coke? And caramel popcorn and a Coke, $22 for caramel popcorn and a Coke. And so before you even go, you're $40 into it, and people spend the money on it, no questions asked, $11 billion, $1 billion in 11 days. And I'm like, man, and people get their draws in a bunch, bringing the greatest superhero of all time, Jesus Christ, a tithe, and they Spend forty dollars like this at the movie theater. I mean, come on, somebody. And so we love our superheroes. And and uh, the truth of the matter is, the Bible is full of superheroes. And sidekicks, you know, you have David the giant slayer and his sidekick, Jonathan. You have Elijah the fire maker and a sidekick turned superhero, Elisha. You have Moses the plague maker and a sidekick turned superhero, Joshua the wall crumbler. And you have Esther the interceder and her sidekick, Uncle Mordecai. And Mary the Messiah bearer and her sidekick, Joseph the carpenter. There are so many superheroes and sidekicks in the Bible the list goes on and on I don't really know which ones the Lord's going to lay on my heart for us to glean from and learn some spiritual truths over the next few weeks but here's what I do know I do know the greatest superhero of all time bar none is Jesus Christ, isn't he? He's the greatest superhero of all. His powers include giving strength to the weak and provision to the needy and comfort to the brokenhearted and sight to the blind and liberty to the captives and peace to the anxious and hope to the hopeless and healing to the infirmed and wisdom to the confounded and grace to the undeserving and mercy to the sinful and compassion to the suffering and life to the dead. Jesus is really the greatest superhero. And I begin to think about Jesus and kind of how he stacks up. And I thought he's stronger than the Hulk for he calms storms with his words and he he commands the seas to go no further and with the flick of his finger he's, he's put the stars in their or- orbit, he's my superhero and I thought he sees way beyond the x-ray vision of Superman because he knows our thoughts even before they're formed in our mind he's my superhero, his ability to innovate exceeds that of Iron Man's and it makes Iron Man's latest invention look like a child's art project made of popsicle sticks because my Jesus can take not only the good things but the bad things and the ugly things and the terrible things and engineer something good out of them Wonder Woman may be able to make you tell the truth when she gets you in her grasp but Jesus is the truth he's my superhero Spider Man may be able to cling to things but Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and his shield is greater than Captain America's because it covers and he's a refuge of strength for the weary and Doctor Strange may be able to make something out of out of matter and manipulate it, but Jesus can make something out of nothing because in the beginning, he said, let it be, and it was. And Black Panther has healing power, but he needs vibranium, but Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, the great physician. Jesus is the greatest superhero of all time. And so in this series, we're just going to look a little bit at how Jesus stacks up, and we're going to look at some of the superheroes and, and just glean some amazing things. And, but today what I want to do is I want to begin by looking at the superhero of the faith known as Abraham, Father Abraham. And as we kind of look at Abraham, he, he becomes a, a perfect illustration for us on a day when we celebrate all the real-life superheroes, our dads. And I found this little poem. I want to read it to you. It's, it's about how dads are superheroes. It says, my, my dad has special powers, I bet you didn't know. And when we are together, our powers grow. I have the gift of flight to soar and leap and bound, and I can hover in the sky and never touch the ground. I'm growing stronger too with each passing hour. I can even save the day with my superpower. Dad's arms help me reach things I cannot touch. His love and guidance carry me. I look up to him so much. And even when I'm all grown up, I know that I'll be glad that I had my own superhero, my best friend, my dad. You know my kids wrote that just yesterday? Just kidding. They they really didn't. They should give me a Father's Day poem, don't you think? Though I mean, you've got to work that thing for everything you can get. Dads are, are superheroes and, and I want to talk to you about how to be a superhero dad and, and, and with that, let's turn our attention to, to Abraham for just a moment. And when we come to the text, we've got to understand what has led up to this moment in abraham's life abraham is considered the father of our faith and by this time his faith has grown really strong and he's he's in 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 a good place in his in his walk with the lord and 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 you look at him and you'd say wow man this is somebody who loves the lord with all of his heart but it didn't start out like that for abraham abraham didn't start out as a giant of the faith matter of fact he started out as as a sun and moon worshiper isn't that amazing how God called this man while he was a sun and moon worshiper in order to be the father of our faith? And that just encourages me because it, it lets me know that God doesn't call us based on where we currently are, but God calls us based on what he knows we can be. And so he calls Abraham out of this idle lifestyle to be the father of our faith, and he gives him this amazing promise. He says, Abraham, he says, I'm going to make from your descendants uh, a big nation, a huge nation. All nations of the earth are going to be blessed by you and and you're going to have so many descendants that they're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore and and matter of fact the messiah is going to come from your loins abraham and abraham is all pumped up about this i mean god appears to him and speaks to him and and gives him this amazing blessing and so he's like yeah bring it on i mean i I want this this is amazing and then he starts getting old and his wife starts getting old And he's got no kids. And him and Sarah, they've been trying to have kids and trying to have kids. And nothing is going on and nothing is happening. And, And so because God has made a promise, and it's been a while since the promise has come to pass, what do Abraham and Sarah begin to do? They begin to doubt the promise. Just like you and I do when God gives us a promise and we don't see anything. And at the onset of the promise, we're so excited. We're like, yeah, bring it on, God. This is going to be amazing. We're going to do great things for you. And I can't wait to receive your blessing. And all of a sudden, life happens. And, and there's a delay in the promise. And so what do we do? We doubt. And like old Abraham and saggy Sarah, they take matters into their own hands, you know. And, and Sarah, in this moment of weakness, you know, this this emotional moment she looks at abraham and she says well you know you deserve to sire children and, and and clearly the problem is me and i can't conceive and so why don't you go sleep with the maid why don't you go sleep with hagar and abraham is like seriously you're not playing right you you, you want me to go sleep with you know the one that goes around the house in a little black and white dress with the hat on and a feather feather duster you want you want to speak sleep with her Somebody said seriously, she, she was dressed up like that. No, this is just Father's Day. So I'm just telling the story, like the dads read the story. So you want me to go go sleep? with that maid? Really? You're not you're not you're not you're not playing me, are you? You you you're not you're not trying to trick me here. Seriously, because you know, sexy Sarah, you're the only woman for me. you know, that never even crossed my mind to go and sleep with the maid over here. She said, no, no, you know, you really deserve it. And Abraham's like that. I'm going to ask you one more time now because, you know, I I don't want this to go the wrong way. I got your permission to do this. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And so sure enough, Abraham goes and he sleeps with Hagar and he fathers a child by the name of Ishmael. And you understand how that turned out. Abraham was real stupid for listening to Sarah. Because how many of you know, women don't always mean what they say. Come on, this is Father's Day. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be a smart man, you gotta understand that just cause he said so doesn't mean it is so. You gotta be able to read between the lines and you gotta be able to get behind them emotions and, and figure stuff out. And so sure enough, he gets real stupid. But what you have to understand is that the first key to being a successful or a super dad is you've gotta face your failures. Because Abraham messed up big time by doing this. Abraham was both the father of our faith and the father of Ishmael. He had a spiritual side and he had a struggling side. And I know that as many dads listen to this today, they think you know, super dad, well I can never be a super dad because I have messed up so much along the way and yeah there's a spiritual side to me but if everybody knew about my struggles, I couldn't be a super dad. Well I want you to know that Abraham was both the father of the faith and the father of Ishmael all at the same time. And now in our day and age in our culture, it is difficult difficult to be a super dad. It's really difficult. Do You know why? The rules keep changing. Have you noticed that? The rules of what it means to be a man keep changing in our culture. It used to be that if you were a good provider, brought home the money, paid the bills, that you were a good man, a good husband, and a good father. It didn't matter that pop didn't talk that much. Matter of fact, uh, if you said anything about pop, mama smacked you right, right upside the head. So, Don't say anything about that man. He's a good man. But nowadays, pop has got to be in touch with his emotional side, right? He, he's he's got he's got to he's got to know how to you know get in touch with his his feminine side. He's got to cry a little bit, but not too much, because if he cries too much, then he's soft, you know. And so nowadays, the rules have changed. And it used to be, I was taught by my grandfather, by my father, by my grandmother, by my mother, by by my aunts, by my uncles that that there was a certain way to behave around ladies right? And when you were around ladies, you know, you you didn't tell off-color jokes, and you you watched your language and stuff like that, and, you know, that was only when you were around the men. And not necessarily Christian advice, but it was, you know, the advice that we were given. And when you're around a lady, you know, you open doors for ladies, and, you know, whether it's it's the door to go into a place or a car door, And, and if a lady's carrying something heavy that you don't make her carry something heavy, you go grab it for yourself. But nowadays, you open a door for a lady, she's like, what you think, I can't open it for myself? The rules have changed. I mean, you don't know what it's like to be a man. And, and, and men, are, men are confused. They're, they're trying to figure it out. What am I supposed to do? It used to be that this was my job, but now I don't know if, if it's my job anymore. Because if I, if I just do this and I don't do this, it's somewhere along the line that, that, that I'm, I'm failing as, as a man. And, and when I'm failing, I don't like it and, 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 and then I'm told that I'm failing all the time and, and, and that just shuts me down because as a man, I'm not drawn to criticism, I'm drawn to, drawn to compliments. Because when I get criticized for doing what I think is my role and all of a sudden I don't even want to do anymore and so I just shut completely down because I'm a man and I'm a little bit like God and I'm not I'm not drawn to criticism, I'm drawn to praise. And so if I'm helping carry the groceries in and I got two in my hand and you make a fuss about it, I'll say, oh, that's nothing, baby. I can carry these two with one finger the next time and I'm going to bring six ba- bags of groceries in. But if you complain that I'm not helping you, then I ain't bringing no groceries in. Am I, am I talking to anybody today? It's hard to be a man. It's hard to be a good man. It's hard to be a good father, and it's hard because there's a constant tension in our society and in our culture, and it's a struggle that every man has between progress and presence. See, see, in I want I want progress because I'm a man, and and, and I, I want progress from my family. And so everything that my family wants, I, I wanna give them. And so what I wanna do is if they want a nice house, I wanna go out there and make sure that I work hard enough so they could have a nice house. And, and, and if they want a nice car, I wanna make sure they have a nice car, too. And, and when they want to, to go on vacation, I wanna make sure that we can go on vacation. And, and when the kids wanna go to college, I wanna make sure that the kids can go to college and not come out with no loans. And, and if they want designer sneakers, I want them to have designer sneakers. And if they want to not worry about the grocery bill, I wanna make enough money so they don't have to worry about the grocery bill. And if my wife wants to get her hair done and she wants to go shopping and she wants to get her nails done, I wanted to have those things. And so I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that my family progresses. I want to give them everything they want because that's in my DNA because I'm a father, I'm a man, and father means source, father means provider. And so my DNA is to do everything that I can to provide for them so that the family can progress in the dreams that they have. But I'm stuck in between this thing called progress and this thing called presence because I also want to be there for everything. I want to be there for all of the moments and I want to be there for all of the first and I want to be there for, you know, the, the, the first step and I want to be there for the, the first word and I want to be there for the, the first poopy diaper. Okay. I want to be there for the first poopy diaper. I want to be there for all the first and the first date and the first prom and, and the first kiss. And if I'm a dad, I really want to be there for the first kiss on the other side of the door with a shotgun waiting for the dude that puts the first kiss. I want to be there for every first and I want to be there for my wife and I want to be there to Listen and I want to be there to talk and I want to be there to emphasize, empathize. I want to be there for all that kind of stuff. But oftentimes, if, if I'm there for everything, then I've got to sacrifice on the progress. And so I don't know whether I should put all my energies into progress or I should put all my energies into presence because I can't do both at the same time. Something's got to give and I'm being pulled in two different directions. And then sometimes, even though I'm supposed to be a superhero, I feel like a sidekick and other times I'm being made Out to be a villain. It's a good message, ain't it? Hello? Anybody? Can anybody really watch this? I'm gonna show you something right now, ladies. Because you think I'm just preaching that something that doesn't exist. If you're a man, if you're a father, and you can relate to what I just said. Stand up. Stand up if you can relate to what I just said. Come on, stand up if that's you. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Look at this. I'm telling you what's happening. You can sit down. I'm telling you what's happening on the inside of a man. I'm telling you that every man is both the father of the faith and the father of Ishmael. They have, a, they, have a, they have a spiritual side and they have, they have a struggling side. And, and oftentimes the reason why Pops is quiet and the reason why Pops is not smiling as much as Pops should be smiling is because Pops' mind is always going and his mind is always trying to figure out how do I get the family where they need to be, and how do I, how do I balance all of this, and how do I balance the fact that I've been working so hard with, with the energy that I need to be present in the moment and something's going on. He's, he's the father of the faith and he's also the father of Ishmael and you see this present throughout scripture with a lot of great men of god for instance Abraham's grandson Jacob turned Israel you remember the story he he was a trickster Jacob heel catcher he was the one who who beat his brother out of his birthright and then he went off and he you know, kind of lived his life and he finally got tired of living the life of a trickster and, 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 and a conniver and somebody that wasn't doing things the way God wanted him to do. And so he decided to go back and reconcile with his family on, on the way back. You remember he wrestled with God and during that wrestling match with God, God changed his name to Israel. What I don't understand about the Bible is though even after God changed his name to Israel, which means prince with God or triumphant with God, God still sometimes called him Jacob. And sometimes he's referred to Jacob and Israel both in the same verse. Genesis chapter 48 verse 2. And, ja- and Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you. Watch this. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up in bed. And Jacob was told, but Israel sat up. And Jacob was told, but Israel set up. He was both trickster. On the one hand, he was both conniver on the one hand and he was prince with God and triumphant with God on the other hand. There was this, this, this two sides of him. And I want you to know that inside of most men is this struggle between the spiritual side and, 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 and the struggling side. There's this, there's this, this balance that is trying to go on and they feel caught in between the two and, and sometimes they want to read their Bible and sometimes they want to sleep with Hagar. Y'all can't handle the truth, can you? It's a struggle. There's there's failures that men have to face on a on a regular basis. Men don't like to fail because God put testosterone on the inside of us. Testosterone makes us want to win all of the time, and, and men become very introspective when they're facing their failures. And so that's why you you know ever hear of a midlife crisis. All of a sudden, the dude, you know, starts losing a little weight. Nowadays, he just starts wearing spanks to pull his stomach up, you know, and chest out and gets a sports car. And there's all these kind of things and, and tries, to, tries to just kind of regain some youth. You know why that happens? Struggling. Struggling with the reality of where life is at that time based on where it should be in his mind. And here's what I'm telling you. If you're going to be a great dad, if you're going to be a super dad, you know what you need to do? You need to face your failures. Don't, don't hide them. Don't run from them. Don't, don't think that you, you can't be a great dad because you've had failures and you haven't lived up to the expectations that you had for yourself in your own mind and, or you haven't brought your family where you wanted to bring your family. You gotta own it. You gotta ask for forgiveness. You've gotta come out from behind the testosterone and get some help. You gotta to go to guys group at church and get some help. You gotta lean on a brother. You gotta to talk to another brother. You gotta deal with the struggle. You can't deal with it in silence. You could still be a great dad even if you have a track record of failure. You just gotta face your failures because every dad has failures that they have to face. Second thing that I want to share with you: how do how you become a great dad? Is kind of goes on with the story. Is Abraham gets this all figured out. You know, he gets it figured out that that he was stupid, that 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 he shouldn't have listened to what Sarah suggested because clearly Sarah really didn't want him to sleep with Hagar. And, and he should have been bright enough to realize that she was probably looking for some validation. Especially in, in Bible times, you know, when women couldn't have a baby, it, their whole, all their self-esteem came down. And you know how ladies do it? Can I just be honest with you? Can I be honest in the presence of ladies? When ladies are looking for validation, what they do is they begin to throw hints. They, they don't just come right and say, "I need some validation right now. I need you to tell me I'm pretty, right?" Because if they did that anyway, guys, even though guys, we say, "Why don't you just say what you mean?" If she came to you and said, "Just, just tell me I'm pretty," what would you do? Look at you, you know. I'm not gonna tell you you're pretty. You know that's stupid, right? You want to just come right out and do it. So what, what do ladies do? Ladies, they, they just give you hints. And so she's probably giving hints. Well, why don't you go sleep with Hagar? She wasn't looking for Abraham to say, really? Really? The maid of all people? Man, seriously? She was looking for him to say, honey, I don't care if we never have no children. The only woman I want to be with is you. And so imagine how they're working it out. And finally, he comes back and he said, well, deed done. We're going to have a child now. She's like, seriously? You really did that, but but you told me I could. How stupid could you be? Don't you understand how emotional I was at the moment? Don't you understand, dummy, that I really didn't mean that and I just needed some reassurance at the time? And he's like, Oh, my bad. My bad. I I, I, I didn't I didn't get it. And all of a sudden he owns it, he takes responsibility. You know the story of how how Ishmael and Hagar were had to go on, they had to move on so Abraham's family could could be back intact. Now they're at this place and and because he got it straight with with Sarah and they they worked through that issue and he got it straight with God, God gave them Ishmael. Um, God gave them Isaac. And when God gave them Isaac, Abraham loved Isaac more than anything in his world. Isaac was everything to Abraham And, and, and so he's asked to offer Isaac up On the top of Mount Moriah, he has to offer up. And and when they're going, Isaac looks. And Isaac wasn't a little boy, by the way. He was a boy that was grown enough to be able to resist. He said, Dad, I see the fire, I see the wood, but but where's the sacrifice? And he said, God will provide the sacrifice. And this leads me to my second point. If you're going to be a super dad, you need to lead your family to have faith in Christ. You need to lead your family to have faith in Christ. God will provide the sacrifice. And this whole story about Abraham and Isaac is all about having faith in Christ. From Abraham taking the wood... That's the father growing the tree that would someday be Calvary. To Abraham saying to his servants, wait here while we and, me and the lad go yonder and worship. That's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane telling his disciples to wait there while he goes a little bit further to pray. To Isaac carrying the wood up the mountain. That's Jesus carrying the cross to Golgotha. To Abraham binding Isaac to the wood. That's Jesus being nailed to the cross. To Abraham picking up a knife and being willing to sacrifice his only son. That's God turning his face on Jesus while. He hung on the cross. To Isaac, not a small child but a grown child uh, not resisting. That is Jesus laying down his life willfully and saying not my will but thine be done. Isaac uh, did, did so because Abraham said to him God will provide the sacrifice. That is Jesus saying to the Father into my hands I commit your spirit. I trust you with the outcome. To God the Father stopping Abraham and providing a lamb in the stead of Isaac. That is the resurrection of christ the whole story is a story it's a foreshadow of faith in christ and got and guys dad this is our number one job above everything else it trumps being the provider It it trumps making sure the family is making progress in all the things. The number one task that every dad has, if you're going to be a super dad, is to lead your family into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's worth noting that Abraham, being a sun and moon worshiper, lived in a religious culture where sacrificing children was common. Now, it, it wasn't anything ever that God wanted. And God, though, reaches into the culture, because how many of you know that even though the culture can sometimes skew your thinking and get you to think that certain things are normal that are not normal, right? And we live in such a time right now where people are calling right, wrong, and wrong, right. God God, God uses sometimes what the culture is trending to in order to teach us some things. And so he reaches into the culture of the day. And what seems like it's normal to, to Abraham, he says, Offer up your son, knowing full well that he would never allow Abraham to go through with it. And here's what God does in in the process of asking him to offer up Isaac. He stops him to teach him he's not like the other gods. He doesn't want us to hurt ourselves. He doesn't want us to inflict pain upon ourselves. Matter of fact, he loves us so much that he inflicted pain upon himself so that we could be set free. He doesn't want a sacrifice of our own children. He gave his only son so that we could be set free. And the message here is this. This is all about faith in Christ. It's a foreshadow of what Jesus did for us. And it's a message to dads. And the message to dad is this you need to take the lead in bringing your family to faith in Christ not only in leading them in their own personal relationship but letting them see faith in Christ in you I love the fact that Abraham said at the bottom of the mountain before he knew how it was going to turn out He said me and the me and the boy will be back God told him to offer Isaac up He said me and the boy are coming back Here's what he was saying He was saying at the bottom of the mountain at the beginning of the struggle. He was saying, I don't know how, I don't know the details, I don't know when, but here's what I do know. I do know God's going to bring us through this. He was taking the lead. He was leading in that relationship, leading in that faith with Christ. And dads, there are going to be many situations where it's going to look like as a family, you don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know the details, but all the family sometimes needs is a word from dad. They need a word from dad that says, you know what? We're coming through this thing. We're going to get out of this thing. God is going to do it for us. I don't know how God is going to do it, but I've seen him do it before, and God is going to do it again. Because if, it's a, if dad thinks it's going to be okay, then it's going to be okay. Keep that stiff upper chin, right? Let them know that that God is going to come through, leading your family to have faith in Christ. The third thing to, to be a super dad is you need to teach your family That God comes first. That God comes first. It's one of the major takeaways of the story, if not the major takeaway of the story. Look at verse number 12, and he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What's happening? How does God know that we fear Him? How does God know that we love Him when He's first? When there is nothing else that is more important in our lives than God. This whole story is about worship. Do you know what worship is? It's worth-ship. It's when we lay down what is most important to us. For God, when we say to God, nothing, 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 nothing comes before you. You are number one in everything. You are first in our lives. You are first in our family. You are first in our decision-making. You are first in our character and first in our priorities and first in our finances and first in our home and first above all self. God, you are first. And when you teach your family that God is first, you give so many other lessons to your family. For instance, one of the lessons that your family will see When God is first Is that you can't help but be blessed When God is first Do you know know how Most people live their Christian existence Trying to get blessed Can we just be honest Most people live their Christian existence Trying to get blessed The reason why most Christians do Is so that they could receive a favorable outcome In other words I'm going to do this for God So that God can do this for me But do you know the Bible never once teaches us to try to be blessed? I'm just letting that sink in for a minute. Because this is where most of us live. Most of us live in that place where we are trying to be blessed. But my Bible tells me, seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and all these things will automatically be added to me. So my Bible tells me that where I ought to put my efforts is not in trying to be blessed, but trying to bless God. Trying to be a blessing to the Lord, trying to keep God first. And that when God is first, I don't even have to try to be blessed. I'll automatically be blessed. So don't hate people if they are blessed, because if people are blessed, chances are, especially if they're Christians, chances are they're putting God first. that's what happens now watch this look at what it says and God says and by myself I have sworn verse number 16 because you have done this thing And I withheld your son, you put me first, your only son. In blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, as the sand of the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Bathsheba. And Abraham dwelt in Bathsheba. I want you to notice, because he put God first, his family was blessed. Isn't that amazing how we can just teach our families simply by putting God first? The second lesson out of this is that it's never too late to put God first. When you you put God first, you teach your family that it's never too late. Abraham had a history of failure. He he fathered an illegitimate child and he was supposed to be the father of our faith. But yet he decided at some point after his failure to put God first. And I know I'm talking to somebody right now. I know I'm ministering to that dad who's struggling with the fact that, you know, you've brought so many failures up to this point that how could you turn it around and how could you put it in the right direction and how could you finally send the right message to your family? Listen to me. There is no expiration date on putting God first. I promise you that your fa- Family will love the fact that God is suddenly first in your life. It's never too late to put God first. And Abraham decided after years of failing that God was going to be first in his life. The, The other thing that happens when you put God first is that you teach your family that God will bring you through anything. Again, notice what he says. He says, me and the lad, we're coming back. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know we're coming through this thing. I don't know when we're going to return, but I know we're coming back. I don't know how the out, how God is going to work the outcome, but I know God is going to work the outcome in our favor. A matter of fact, Hebrews says that Abraham reasoned that if he had to kill Isaac, if he had to offer Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead. Abraham was teaching his family that he's going to get through this thing. And our families need to know from us that we're going to get through. The fourth lesson that we teach our families when we put God first, is that God always has the final word. Imagine the drama that's going on. Abraham binds Isaac to the wood and places him on the altar. Isaac is old enough to resist, but doesn't because he heard his father's word. God will provide the sacrifice. So right now, Abraham lifts the knife Isaac closes his eyes just focusing on but you said but you said that God will provide the sacrifice and as Abraham is ready to plunge that knife down all of a sudden God from heaven speaks and Abraham drops the knife and says here I am he says do your son no harm and then they turn And as they turn right there In the place that God told them to go There was provision waiting I want to tell you that provision comes From obedience in your life And right there there is a ram caught In the thicket And you know what I'm told? I'm told that rams don't normally climb that high But God superseded the laws of nature In order to get Abraham and Isaac Their blessing Why? Because when God is first God will always have the final say And he will supersede the laws of nature And move heaven and earth if he has to to get your blessing and I love the fact That the ram was caught in the thicket Couldn't escape. You know what that tells me tells me that god was holding the blessing for them That's a word for somebody God is holding the blessing for you while you've been crying, God's holding the blessing. And while you be filled with anxiety, God is holding the blessing. And when you've been struggling through, God is holding the blessing. And when you've been wondering when, God is holding the blessing. And the blessing is there for you. But you've got to put God first. When dads put God first, they teach their families so, so, so much. In order to be a super dad, number one, you need to face your failures. Number two, you need to teach your families have faith in Christ number 3 you need to lead your families in putting god first and i just heard god said don't rely on your wife to do it don't rely on your wife to do it it's not your wife's job to lead the family in putting god first it's your job head of the household See, all the men, we love to be the head, don't we? we? I'm the head. I'm the head. Submit to me, woman. Submit to me, woman. Right? Men love that. Love that part of You know what it means to be the head? It means you have to take the lead. There's always more responsibility when you are the head. You're the one that is supposed to make sure that spiritually the family is moving in the right direction. And number four, and this is so important. If you're going to be a super dad, you need to release your family to have their own experience with God. Release your family to have their own experience with God. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, translated the Lord will provide. Actually, what it means is the Lord, my provider. You see, it's one thing to say to somebody when they're going through something, the Lord will provide. But it's a whole other thing for them to experience God as their provider. Anybody ever tell you what they were going through, and you kind of try to be Christian, and so you say, well, the Lord will provide. That's easy, isn't it? Well, it's not your struggle. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And and don't get mad at somebody because they say the Lord will provide and don't help. It it, it is nobody's responsibility to help. You know, people sometimes, they, they get this entitlement mentality, like, well, I don't believe all they said was the Lord will provide. Why don't they help me out? It's not anybody's responsibility to help. If if God lays it on their heart to help, you ought to be thankful that they do help. But don't walk around with an entitlement mentality. Sometimes God don't want nobody to help you because He wants you to believe God so that you will know for yourself, He is my provider. Because it's a whole different thing what somebody says it and when you experience it for yourself. And this is one of the things that God wants us to have is He wants us to have a revelation of Him. Because an experience with God will change your life forever. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with just mere knowledge. And the scripture tells it to us like this. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, there are some things that you have to find out for yourself. And listen to me, dads. One of the hardest things that you'll ever do is let your kids experience God for themselves. Do you know why? Because every dad has certain things in their DNA. Every dad has in their DNA. I've got to fix it. I've got to stop it. I've got to protect it. I've got to correct it. I've got to get in there and make sure. And listen, dads, there will be things. And Here's, here's what you'll find out as older your kids get. There will be things that they won't let you fix. There will be things that you can't fix. There will be things that you know better, but they think they know better. And they just dig their heels in in this situation. And every every ounce of dad on the inside of you wants to supersede it and wants to correct it and wants to fix it. But there comes a point at which you have to say, okay, it's time for you to experience God for yourself. Because if all I ever do is fix and all if I ever do is correct and if all I ever do is intercede, then you'll never have your own experience for God and if you never have your own experience for God when I'm not there, you'll never be okay. But the greatest thing that you can do for your children is sometimes let them experience God all for themselves because when they taste and when they see that god is good it'll change their life forever think about this here is here's isaac and he's bound and and, and isaac is the sacrifice and suddenly there's a ram caught in the thicket and it was glorious for abraham to see the ram caught in the thicket but I many of you know it's probably more glorious for Isaac to see the ram caught in the thicket? Because then and only then did Isaac know that God was not the provider, but God was his personal provider. We need an experience with God. You know why people come to church and really never change? They don't ever have their own experience with God. But when you have your own experience with God... Everything changes. It's game over at that point. And so, Dad, you know what you need to pray for your kids? You need to pray, oh, Lord, let them taste and see that you are good. It's like the prodigal father. The prodigal father, when a son comes and asks for the inheritance, he gives him the inheritance. Why? Because he couldn't talk him out of it. Because his kid knew better. His kid had reached a place where they had, you know, become an adult And so they were the smartest person in the room. Anybody ever have any kids like that? They're the smartest person in the room. And so the father said, okay, here you go. And the father knew what was going to happen because the father knew it wasn't ready but he let him go. Why? And I pray the whole time he's praying, Lord, let him taste and see. Lord, when sin bites him in the rear end, let him taste and see that you're good. Lord, when they got nothing left, let them taste and see that you're good. Lord, when everybody else abandons them and you stick by them and you're a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, let them taste and see that you're good. And sometimes when, when they taste and see, it becomes the defining moment in their life. And if you're going to be a super dad, sometimes you just need to let him taste and see that God is good. We need an experience with God. I believe that God is ready to turn every dad into a super dad. It's just a matter of are we ready to yield our heart. Would you stand to your feet?